All right, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Today, if you want to go to, we're going to look in mostly Numbers 26. The Torah portion starts in, I'm sorry, Leviticus 26. The Torah portion actually starts in uh, Numbers, chapter 1. But um, we're going to speak from this chapter, or look at this chapter. So I love this this chapter because the way, at least the way I saw it and have somewhat broken it down is to is in these three sections where God basically tells them um, it starts out if you'll walk in my statutes and then you get to verse sixteen and it says if you will not listen. And if you will not do, and then 41, if they confess. So you have this whole narrative, I guess you could say, about uh, if, if the promises, basically, God gives them. And that's kind of one, if they will walk in his statutes. And then the ramifications, if they will not listen, and if they will not do. And he lays out, that's the largest section. And... Uh, most of which we are suffering under today, but I think that uh, most of God's people don't even realize that they're suffering under the consequences of not keeping the covenant with their God that they don't even realize that they're in with God. And so that's part of the big problem um, that I see today and is borne out in the exile and the consequences of the exile and the consequences that seep into our families and our communities and our lack of witness to those around us because no longer are we God's people who have chosen to follow Yeshua who are grafted now into Israel, who are Israel. No longer do we... uh, Are we a peculiar people because we have... you know, shaken off the bonds of the covenant, you know, let their, us break their bands asunder and, and no more hold on to their cords. Because of that, we're suffering just like the rest of the world and we don't even realize that we are and so we cleverly try to work out ways uh, to not obey God and to, you know, live in what we think is... Uh, a good, the good life in the exile, but we don't, what we don't realize is we're playing right into the hand of the, the devil as he leads us down the rosy road to destruction. So I want to go through this and, and hopefully kind of draw out what's going on in our own lives and in our, uh, in our own ways. Um, so I don't really have a title for this one. Um, maybe, maybe if. What will we do if? So we'll, we'll read through it and then... Um, I'll probably come back and we'll comment on it. So Leviticus chapter 26, and we're going to start in um, verse 3. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then will I give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of your land. 
neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before, uh, fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall t- chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword." For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat the old store, and bring forth of the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Amen. I am Yehovah your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you go upright. But if ye will not hearken, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, and if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning of you. It shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. And they that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if, you will, and if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then will I punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain. Ah, oh, I just love that verse there. Your strength, because I feel like that's just the story of my life. <laughs> you know, living in the exile, it's like you work and you slave and toil for what? You know, things that are all just gonna burn. I don't. You know, anyways, for the land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me. I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. And I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and shall destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I'll bring the sword upon you, and shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. When ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered unto the hand of the enemy. And when I have broken off the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you in your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat it and not be satisfied. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall you eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you, and I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries into desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell there shall be astonished at it. Then I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then the land will enjoy her Sabbaths, as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your city enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when you dwelt upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, 
I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase thee, them, and they shall flee as a fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword, when none pursueth, and ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespasses, which they transgress against me, and that also they have walked contrary to me, and that I have also walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then they uncircumcised, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they that accept the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham. Will I remember, and I will remember the land, and the land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbath while she lieth desolate without them, and they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despised my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, to break my covenant with them, for I am Jehovah their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am Yehovah. These are the statutes and the judgments and the laws which Yehovah made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. So that's just a great, amazing chapter, I think. I just love it. Uh, Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it says Oh, in verse 18, I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Then it says that it also in 24 and 28. You know, is it, is it multiple? You know, like seven times seven, seven times seven times seven. You know, I don't know. Not that it matters, but I wonder if it just means, you know, okay, I did it seven times, now seven times more on top of that, now seven times more on top of that. I mean, right. I think it just means... I know, but I just... Right, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like how many times are we up to now? I think, well, I think he's getting the point across that it's going to be complete and utter judgment, you know. And it, and it was historically, and I think it will be again, because these cycles repeat in the history of God's people, you know. And, uh, you know, what ends up happening is anytime they... they they stay in exile, they end up facing destruction and, and punishment because they uh, keep living in sin, basically. You know, even even like um, God sent deliverance, but um, um, Purim, Esther. Esther, you know, that was after the exile. Those were the, the Jews who had stayed uh, in, in the land, and God sent, you know, saved them, basically. But... You know, then later, even later on, and in, in, uh, in World War II and the Holocaust, uh, there was opportunity for much of the those in the diaspora to return. A lot of them just didn't, and judgment came. And I think, I think we're you know headed for that again. Um, you know, as it feels like you have the birth pains of the Messiah coming, 
Um, so, but it's really about what's going on in the heart of the people. You know, they, whether or not they'll listen to God, whether or not they will choose to change, and not so much like will they pack their bags and try to get out of the exile, but will they see that their hearts are uncircumcised? Will they humble themselves and will they turn back unto God, uh, you know, confess their sins and change the way of their life and their living? And so that's why God says, you know, if, you know, and then he talks about his face and turning his face contrary to them or fi- or turning his face upon them. So we start out and we see... Um, if they will walk in the stat in, the, in his statutes, and so in verse four we see that he'll give them food. They'll give them rain, and the land shall yield their increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruits, and the threshing shall reach into the vintage. That those just promise that God will provide their needs if he will walk in their statutes, because it's a symbiotic relationship in the way that God made everything to function and thrive. Uh, that when, God, when, when God's people are obeying him, all the frequencies align and the weather works as it should and you have harmony and you're conducting yourselves in the world that God has given you such that it is fruitful and it multiplies. It's this hand-in-hand symbiotic relationship. And, and so the problem that we have, a lot of the uh, problems in the world environmentally and whatever else is going on and animals going extinct it's because of the sin of mankind you know the reason why there aren't dinosaurs walking around anymore is not because of just oh that's what happens some asteroid can't you know no it's because man disobeyed god and would not serve and obey him and walk in his ways anymore so judgment came as a result because otherwise mankind would have wiped out everything and so god in his mercy uh sends judgment so that there isn't complete and utter annihilation of, of everything. And we're seeing the same thing today. Um, you know, it's, it's not because we're... What, what people argue and fret about as far as like public policy, you know, vehicles, should we all be driving electric cars or not, those are all eight steps downstream from the problem of how are we going to live and conduct our lives individually, in families, as individuals. And, and you know, we all, uh, oftentimes want to point to someone else and say, well, the government, or those people over there in their house. But it, it's an individual thing. And so, if ye shall walk in my statutes, and will keep my covenants, I'll give you food. Things will work the way it's supposed to. The land will produce. Um... They will have peace in verse 6. And I will give you peace in the land. You shall lie down. None shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of your land. Again, this whole idea of um, harmony within the environment, the natural world, and even animals. Because, you know, if there's, if there's an imbalance, say there's a famine, and that's what happens even in the springtime. There's not a whole lot of food. So what happens? The foxes are looking for chickens to eat, Right. And so there will be a balance within nature such that the wild beasts aren't wiping out their flocks, which is keeping them alive. We're so separated from an agrarian society today because some farmer somewhere other over in the world can, you know, somebody's not suffering somewhere and food will grow, animals aren't getting killed, and they can put it on a boat and ship it here. And, you know, we can go to the store and we can get whatever we want. So we're, we have insulated ourselves from the immediate ramifications of disobedience, except 
uh, for judgment on a global scale, which will eventually which will eventually happen. And so we have figured out in the diaspora ways to insulate ourselves from natural consequences. And so we don't see these natural consequences until it's too late, you know, until we have massive fallout and families fall apart and, you know, kids get killed and, you know, disease strikes. And then we say, you know, why did God let this happen? You know, we turn it around. But God says, if you'll walk in my statutes, you will have these blessings. Uh, they'll have peace. They won't have evil beasts, and they won't have enemies coming after them. Because as we're going to see here, when the enemies of Israel and God's people come against them, it's because God's doing it. It's not, it's rarely, there's few instances in the Bible where it's willy-nilly, the peop, uh, God's people get attacked by their enemies without um, just cause of their disobedience to God. God uses the enemies as a tool of his judgment on his people. And so, again, it's not this, uh, oh, they just decided randomly to attack us type of thing. You know, we, there's an element of spirituality to all of these things that happen in the world. It's cause and effect. So, and then also, yes, yes, you in the back. So, you had mentioned about, you know, when things work, I don't know if this was your word, in harmony. So, okay, so let me go this way. Because I think this is very interesting. So, if the world is, you know, the big thing is they want to be in tune with the world and tune themselves, harmonize and all that. The world, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But really, theirs is a disharmony from right. what God would want. Right. Coupled with, and I'm wondering about this even in my own life. So so if you have the world disharmonizing from God, and you have God's people more and more disharmonizing themselves from God, I mean, you're headed for a nuclear explosion. I mean, right. It's like the right. atom getting split, and right. you're just going to have trouble. Yeah, because the only thing that holds it together, holds all things together in the universe is when God's people are being obedient to his word. And there's some sort of critical mass level, and I don't know what that is, where eventually judgment comes on God's people. Things start to break it down. Enemies attack. Food supplies are lost. Wild beasts come in, and you have this snowball effect of judgment. But really, it's just natural consequences for disobeying, not operating according to the instruction manual of how God designed everything to be. And so, exactly, the world tries to make their own system to be in harmony with, with, with you know, the natural world around us. But because it's not based on God's word, it's, it's ultimately going to fail because they lack wisdom. They don't have the wisdom that comes from God and the word of God to take into account all the myriad of multi-dimensional dynamic aspects that come into how God designed everything to work. We can't search it all out. It's beyond our scope. And so the easiest thing to do, it's very much like when I work in horses. It's like you look at the, the biological entity of, of, of an animal and it's infinitely complex to try to figure out like why this happens this happened because that happened you feed them wrong or you did this to them and then you get the spiral effect of everything goes wrong but the solution is always the same and it's really really simple you basically bring the animal to as close a lifestyle and a diet as it would have in its natural element the way god designed it to live 
and then it works the way it's supposed to. And it's the same thing for us and, and the rest of the world. If you bring us back into our natural way of living that God designed us to, i.e. the Bible, everything works the way it's supposed to. But what happens is we, the, the world, people with their horses, you get mired in the pathology, analyzing, analyzing the processes of how everything goes wrong and never do anything about it. And so, and that's just a black hole of trying to figure all that out. The answer is, look to the model, you know, look to the Word of God. Just like in the, you know, with the horses, we look at how God designed them to live and function in the, in the wild. You know, it's pretty simple. And so you try to emulate that. And, well, because you had mentioned, like, you don't know where the critical point is. It just, that's what made me think of all this. I mean, if, if both ends of the spectrum are... I mean, you know, I, I want to think that God's people were offsetting in days gone by the disharmony that the unsafe produced. But that's going away. Right. Our influence, our, our obedience to even the basics. And right. So right. if God's people, and I think God said that about Israel. I mean, they're supposed to be light. If they don't shine their light, then everything around them falls apart. Anyway, I'm a little tired, so I get No, it's true. Well, and that's why I think, as Yeshua said, you know, as the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You know, you got to the point where the ability to keep everything in check during the time of Noah was gone because you were down to one family, you know. And so, um, yeah, the same thing's going to happen again, you know, basically. And so, so anyway, let's keep going on. So they, if they will walk in the statutes, they will have food. They'll have peace. Uh, verses, uh, verse seven, they will dominate their enemies. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by your sword. Um, it's not, again, the ability for Israel and God's people to defend themselves against their enemies is not because their military might and strength. Because you can have all the weapons of the world, but if you have a spirit of fear, it's irrelevant. Or if you don't have a spirit of wisdom and how to defend yourself and how to conduct, uh, you're going to get outmaneuvered. And so it's, it's, again, it's your obedience to God. And then you get into verses 11 and 12. Um, also, if they walk into statutes, they'll have God's presence with them. He says, 11, I'll set my tabernacle among you. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God and ye shall be my people. So his presence will be with them because God can only dwell in, in the camp when it's clean. And that's why he wanted to leave them and that's why he ended up in, instituting the whole tabernacle because you can't just come unto God willy-nilly. That's why initially he had to move his, uh, he had to meet with Moses outside the camp before the tabernacle was built because they were an unclean people. And so God says to us, he'll be a little set-apart place, a small tabernacle for us wherever we dwell in Ezekiel, in the Diaspora. And so we too have to purify our lives so that God's presence and His wisdom and His influence and the instruction and that stream of communication can flow so that we can conduct ourselves and reap the blessings of what we're supposed to from, from God's Word. You know, that's even parallel in 2 Corinthians 6.16 where it says, 
and what agreement hath temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. For God hath said, and, and it's right from where you are, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, and then he, we come into uh, verse 14, where it says, But if ye will not, if, there's another if again, if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do. So, the idea of like hearkening and listening is always in the Bible, in ref- not always necessarily, but oftentimes when God's talking in relation to his people, it all has to do that they hear what he says, the instructions, but then they do it. It's like when we say to our kids, did you hear what I said? I.e., why aren't you doing what I told you? <laughs> and it's the same thing for God's people. So, if they won't listen, and if they won't do, there's going to be terror and sorrow. So, Again, I want us to see this, this, how it all, how it all uh, starts. It's very much in the inner core of who and what people are. This, so if, they will, if we go back in the, if they will walk in my statutes, the first thing he says is you'll have food, right? Because that's, what do, what do our lives revolve around? Food. If you don't have food, like what are we going to eat? You know, immediately terror sets in. Because, you know, you'll be dead pretty quickly without food. And so, if they don't listen and they don't do, they will have terror and they will have sorrow. Um, that's in verse 16. I will do... So, notice also, it's, this is God. I will do this unto you. I will appoint over you terror, consumption, the burning of you shall consume your, consume your eyes, cause sorrow of your hearts. You'll sow your seed in vain and your enemies shall eat it. Again, there's the food, you know. You're going to be in terror, you're going to be in sorrow, and your, your enemies are going to take your food. And, and this is something God does. 17, he, he sets his face against us. Uh, and you shall be slain before your enemies. So again, God, when he sets his face against his people, he sends their enemies against them as his tool of punishment, basically. And uh, so they're not going to have food, they're going to be in terror and sorrow. You know, everything that they're supposed to have, confidence and chasing their enemies and food and blessing and no evil beasts, just the opposite happens. Because again, it's, you work in harmony with something, it's like magnets. If you have them function in the ways they're supposed to, you know, they come right together. If they're not, they'll push each other apart and there's nothing you can do to put them back together. Um, that's so 19 and 20. No food. I will break the power, the pride of your power. I will make heaven as iron and earth as brass. I find that so fascinating. 20. Your strength shall be spent in vain. <laughs> as I was talking about earlier. That's just how. And, and so I think we forget, again, living in the exile, that, well, two things. That we forget we're in the exile, and so we keep going for the next high in our efforts and our labors to uh, feel some type of fulfillment wherein really there is no fulfillment in just accumulating things or experiences or, um, or anything. It's all eventually empty. It's, it's our service to God and, what we, and then our obedience to Him that fulfillment and satisfaction comes. And two, within the world system, apart from God's Word, they're always looking for nirvana, so to speak. Nirvana in health, what's the best job, how to, 
reach this, how to have, you know, this, you know, perfection experience in all facets and aspects of life that can't be attained because they don't realize that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. There is no attainment. There is no rainbow at the end of the, or pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The only thing we can do is live and obey for God. He will bless us. Then we enjoy the fruits of our labors as his blessing, as a outcome for obedience. And then eventually God will set all things right. And there's where, you know, the rest comes, the, the Sabbath, the nirvana, if you will. And, uh, but that can't be found outside of God. It will just be a slow death, basically. <laughs> and so their strength, your strength, if they don't obey, will be spent in vain, vain, verse 20. And your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. So again, there's this, there's this physical correlation within the structure of the universe that if they don't obey, their trees aren't going to produce fruit. You know? And, and it's not... It's not this like mystical woo-woo uh, blinky stardust stuff from movies that why it happens. It's, there's electromagnetic fields to everything. And it's all the way down to, you know, maybe you were sick because you were disobeying God because you didn't go to the bathroom where you should have and cover it up outside the camp and thus you couldn't tend to your field and so, you you know, your crops didn't increase. It's this... This trickle-down effect from little things in their disobedience that has a butterfly effect of big ramifications. And so, um, and again, let me get into the beasts are going to come after you. I will send wild beasts among you, which will rob you of your children. It makes me think of like, uh, you hear about like the alligators uh, taking kids down south or out out west you hear about mountain lions taking kids um you know it makes you wonder like what again like maybe the alligators wouldn't be taking kids if their natural food supply was there because people hadn't you know uh let their pet um pythons are they pythons yes. into the everglades and so they've disrupted the natural balance of things must have a lion and a lamb in that little kick and put the hand in the cockatrice uh, yeah. yeah millennium and right and there's balance and there's harmony but again because of our sin and and are not obeying god in the way he meant all things to be working together there's this trickle-down effect where your kid gets eaten by an alligator you know that's not God's fault for making the alligator. That's our fault for not obeying him, throwing things into chaos, and this is just the consequences of those re of those things. And innocent people suffer because of it. You know, there is unjust suffering because of the sin of people, but it is not God's fault, you know. And I think we again we've what I want us to see in the exile here is we're living under the consequences of sin. And we're in the exile, not in the environment and the situation that we should be in because of sin. So things aren't working. But we have, we have bought the line of the world that, um, you know, well, we need to do a study on the Everglades to see what's going on and what, what things can we do to fix this. And so, again, we just prop ourselves up with our humanistic thinking and wisdom um, and forget that we are suffering 
under the consequences of sin and we're in time out. You know, we're in punishment. We're not supposed to be happy here. We're supposed to yearn for the kingdom and uh, humble ourselves and our pride. Like he said, I will break your pride. Yeah, I will, in 19, I will break the pride of your power. You know, that's what the, happens. So, um, and then again we see, if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, and you've got the wild beasts, and then 25, you've got the sword that'll come upon you, and shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant, when you shall gather together in your cities of some pestilence. So you have, um, uh, and then in uh, 29, starvation, that's what it is with eating the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. It gets so bad that there will be famine and starvation end up doing horrible things. 30, eventually the cities will be destroyed. And it made me think about, you know, um, there was, uh, oh, 30, uh, destroying, I will, um, I will destroy your high places, cut down your images, cast your carcasses upon the uh, carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you, and I will make your cities waste, bring your sanctuaries into desolation, and will not smell the Savior's your sweet odors. It makes me think about, like, and, and, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm going too far in some of this, but, um, you know, we have our cities, like, we're, we're being attacked here in America, for instance, by these terrorists in our cities. I think because of our, again, it's not, it's not God sending lightning bolts. These are natural ramifications for God's people's collective disobedience that makes an environment where the enemy, God, God's people's enemies start to come against them. And so you start to see things out of balance, things out of whack, you know, shootings in churches, people getting blown up in cities, terrorists taking cars in our cities and mowing people down. You know, these are consequences, not of the world. It's the it's, all, it's those people who say that they represent God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and go in our churches every day. It is our fault. And until we realize that we're, these are the consequences of our sins and our rejection of his words, uh, because if all God's people and all people who said they were quote-unquote Christians and or observant Jews really did what the Bible said, it would change the landscape of everything overnight. But the reality is, Nobody wants to humble themselves. They don't want to change the way they're living. They don't want to see that they're in timeout and in exile and suffering the consequences. Instead, they, you know, we are living under a brilliant occupation because our occupier uh, and, and, and our, you know, king that is reigning over this, the king of this world, has given us everything we want. And so we're fat, dumb, and happy. You know, we're like the, um, where'd the Pinocchio go? The island. The island of, where do you go? Right? Yeah, yeah. They gave them all they want until Pleasure Island. We are in Pleasure Island. Everything we want, except what, what is it, what's the problem? They're actually going to get carted off to the mines. You know, they don't realize that they are tools of the enemy. And, and that's where we are. And so, so God trying to reach his people, 
sends an event, right? An enemy comes in and a bomb blows up and there's a shooting somewhere. It's like he's trying to get his people to wake up and break their pride so that they will turn back and so that things will be in harmony. But we don't see this. So, but this is what he says. He's going to bring these horrible things. Their children are going to get eaten. The sword's going to come upon them. They're going to starve. He's going to destroy their places of worship. He's going to destroy their cities. In 33, he will scatter them among the heathen and draw out a sword after you. And the land shall be desolate and your cities waste. So that why? The land can enjoy her Sabbath because they didn't take care of the land and uh, it didn't get its rest. There's some sort of sacred connection between the people and the land and, and how it's all supposed to function. Um, 36, uh, those that are left alive, I will send faintness into their hearts and the lands of their enemies and the sound. So they're going to be fearful. Even where they're scattered, they're going to be fearful and afraid. And really, if you, if you, what we don't realize is how our society even, and, and the developed world, and just, you know, Christians and believers, wherever they are at ease, everywhere, their, their fear or their, their confidence is all really hanging by a thread. Because if things really hit the fan, like, it would just be a meltdown terror fest. You know, there'd be no confidence, you know. And um, we don't realize that, though, because, like I said, we have propped ourselves up artificially by the global scale of our economy, you know, we're building another Tower of Babel. So, but if, if they will confess, and that's in 40, if they will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers. Isn't that interesting? That's what David did. Uh, Daniel, right? Like you were talking about, Dad, last week. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, which they trespass, which they have trespassed against me, and that they have also walked contrary to me, and that I have walked contrary to them, and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts will be humbled, and then they accept the punishment of their iniquity. So the first things that they have to, to do is they have to confess their iniquity. There has to be a recognition of the problem that they have gone astray and that they have done wrong. And, and we're not even to that point yet. There is a turning back, which I believe is God restoring his word and his Torah and, and into our lives as this, you know, these groups all over the world are turning back and they're confessing their sins of our walking contrary to un, unto him. So that's the first step. And then they have to humble their uncircumcised hearts. That, I believe, is what this the next step. Uh, process that needs to happen. We don't have much humility even within this messianic movement. There's a whole lot of pride. Is what, you know, we're all puffed up with, wow, we finally figured out <laughs> the truth. It's like, no, you just finally figured out how messed up you really are. You know, but now we think we all have all the answers and everybody else is wrong and we're going to, you know, fight and bicker and backstab and argue. You know, it's just chaos because there's no humility. There's no humility that of the people submitting themselves to God and his structure of authority, leadership, discipline, and righteousness. We, we need this. And then they accept the punishment of their iniquity. We're not even close to that. We don't realize it. We still, we just don't even, we're going to frigging conference it, cussing, conferences over the biblical holidays, making the goyim work for us, 
Because we figured out we're right. We got it right. You know, you know, it's, oh, my God. It's awful. You know, there is no humbly. There should be collective mourning on our feasts. Because we're in the exile. We are under punishment and judgment. Instead, we're going on cruises. <sighs> ah, yeah. Ah, drives me insane. Our, our big wig Hebraic leaders are doing this. <sighs> okay, anyway. Yeah. 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 So circumcise their hearts, humble themselves, and accept punishment. Then, uh, where, where am I? Verse 41. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob. There's those three things. We need to confess our iniquity, we need to humble our hearts and be circumcised and accept the punishment of their iniquity. Then he'll remember the covenant of Jacob. And I will remember the land. Can I ask a question that I never saw before? Yep. I mean, I saw it, but never saw it. So 25 says, I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. Mm-hmm. I just thought, wow, that is interesting. Then you connect it with what you just said. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. So, I don't, you know, I've not even ever looked into this, but the, the thought of the quarrel of my covenant is uh-huh. like... There's there's a battle going on between the people of God with God and God with His people. Yeah. Do you think that's what's happening? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, the whole covenant is all about obeying Him. Well, I mean, if it's a quarrel, when the husband and wife quarrel, right? There's really total disharmony. Exactly. Exactly. The wife admits she's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the biblical case, it is the wife admitting she's wrong. I mean, that's the whole. The Haftor portion for this week is Hosea, you know. That's the whole story of, of, of Hosea. So, if those things happen, and then he'll remember the covenant. And that remember doesn't just mean like, oh yeah. It means that he will act, which means he will set things the way they're supposed to. And the covenant, remember, is the promise of the people, the land, and the kingdom. That's the promise of the covenant. And we don't have that yet. The people, the land, and the kingdom. That's the promise of the covenant. You know, they'll be a great people. He'll give them the land. And the kingdom will be established. And so, until those previous three things happen, which we're not there yet. You know, we're starting barely to confess our iniquity. But we're still as pride as all get out. And we're prideful and we're... uh, uh, we're not humble. We're, we're not humble. We're prideful. And we have not accepted our punishment. <laughs> we don't even realize. We're forgetting that we're punished. The exile is punishment. The exile is punishment. We should not be comfortable and happy here. You know, oh, gosh, there's so much I could say. You know, it's like, you know, we are, we're running, we have been lulled into complacency, in the comfort, especially, at least especially, I can only speak for America, and there's American life and our opulence that we have, and we are, our strength is spent in vain, trying to attain the quote-unquote American dream. That is not what the dream is for the people of God. You know, 
we should be spending our time and our energies to, to build the kingdom and to extract ourselves from the exile as much as we can, that we can be used by God. Not crap on Disney World, because I hate Disney, but not spending thousands of dollars to spend a week down in Disneyland, you know, or something like that. Pick, take your pick, you know. It's, it's, you know, we have our priorities all messed up because we don't realize we're in punishment, we're too prideful, and we have not even recognized our sin and confessed it. But, okay, so, beat that dust horse. But if they will confess, so that's in, in 40. Uh, if they will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, what they have trespassed against me. And uh, uh, 42. Then will I remember the covenant. So they'll remember the covenant. The land shall get their rest. And, um, uh, and, and he will restore them. I also remember the covenant of Abraham, and I remember and remember the land, and the land also shall be left to them, and shall enjoy their Sabbaths, uh, because they've despised the judgments. Yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, verse 44. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them, for I am Yehovah their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am Yehovah. So God never leaves us completely forsaken. Even in the exile, if, if we will turn back to him, he will turn to us, remember us, and be our God. What I always find interesting is he doesn't always, he does, it doesn't go on to say, and I'll immediately rescue from all your problems. You know, he doesn't say that. You know, there's still consequences for sin. And like you said, yeah, you know, until we, last week I think it was, and still we start to, you know, do like what Daniel did, you know, and recognize the state that we're in, we're going to stay in the exile. I mean, I know God can change a lot really quickly, but I would rather us get our act together and change our hearts really quickly than God draw out the sword against us even more uh, and, and we basically panic and finally figure it out. Oftentimes that's a pattern of what happens, but... Um, so, yes. So, you know, in thinking about this, it's been really fascinating to mm. think about all this. You know, so I don't think God's people are going to get straightened out. <laughs> and I wonder, is it the tears among the wheat, and it says, let them grow together because of your... Until the one. end, yep. I mean, I think we're so inclined, it's a little twist on it, I think we're so inclined with the world at this point, individually, I mean, I'm sitting here not blaming the world or other Christians, I'm looking at my own life, it's like, now to try to extract my tumor from this world, mm -hmm. it's so entwined, mm -hmm. it's, it's beyond operation happening, I don't think it can be fixed, so the state of Christianity, the state of the Messianic movement, it, it's so, we're so caught up and entwined in everything, there, there's just no separating from it. Right, not in, not until the end, because that's what I believe that parable that tears the wheat as they grow up together. We are in the diaspora, and eventually God, the harvest will come, yeah, God and God will separate the wheat and the chaff, um, and the and the and the tares will be bundled up and burned. But what happens 
when the har- right before the harvest, the wheat produces fruit. And the wheat, because of their heavy production of fruit, bows down. And what stays standing is those tall, prideful weeds. So there will be a visual distinction between the wheat and the tares just before the end and the harvesters. But you, but you still have to cut it all down. You have to leave it until the end. And so there's not, exactly, there's not going to be a... And, and a separation until Yeshua returns, basically. But there will be distinction. And fruit will be born such that those who are his people will, with their heavy load of fruit that they have, that picture of the wheat, they'll bow down before him. And there'll be humility. And there'll be, um, what are those things? They'll have, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have their circumcised hearts. You know, they'll, they'll confess, change their heart. They'll be humble. And they'll accept the punishment. You know, that is, and, they, and then because of that, they produce the fruit. I wonder if, you know, because just finishing Daniel, and this may not be, but he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, and the end tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. It seems like what you're saying is kind of, that fits in with trying to help, you know, it says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Right. So I wonder if the right. end time, which is what Dan is talking about, is going to bring us to the point where, I don't want to lose my train of thought here, but whatever yeah. you just said. Yeah, distinction, basically. Yeah. There will be a distinction and a wisdom, and it'll play out into... Into what I want us to start to see is because I I can only, for me I'm a pretty simple person, and I can only think of this and just like okay now oh, oh that's all fine and great we read this but like what what the heck do I do with my stupid self in my life and for me this this thought process needs to permeate into our the fabric of our lives so that we start to think like well, wait a minute you know why am I spending money on that should I be watching that. Should what you know, and, and part of the way that it helps me is like, for instance, if I uh, lived in Israel, you know, and I wouldn't want any, I wouldn't let my kids watch any of the stupid Disney movies, you know. So then I'm thinking, well, why am I, why am I doing it now? Because I wouldn't want that foreign, pagan godless societal influence into my family and into my community. Right? Because we're, that's not who we are. So in the exile, yes, we're going to be exposed to it, but we have to make conscious decisions in what we do in our daily life. You know, are we allowing, how much are we allowing the exile to infiltrate us? Or are we saying, yes, we live in the exile, but, but like fiddle on the roof, you know, this is how we live, you know, in our home and in our life and who we are as our people. And, and so, you know, there's some event going on on Saturday. Well, you know, that's not who we are. I, we're not going to be there. Whatever. You know what I mean? So applying it into your daily life, you know, what are we spending thousands of dollars on? You know, and I indict myself in all of this as much as anybody else. You know, I'm not just pointing the finger at everybody else. You know, yes, but, but understand, I understand, too. You know, we have to live in the exile. You know, God knows we're here, but we are to 
occupy, right? Like he said to the servants. So he has given us funds, right? Our Bibles. He's given us money. He's given us substance to trade. And so he expects a return on his investment. Not just to bury it in the ground and go about our business. You know, that servant is not looked upon happily. Well, and I, you know, I know I beat this to death, but for me it's true. And until we get to the point where we say, no, my, my harp is hung up on a willow. Right. You know, I can't do the Lord's song in a strange land. I really think that's where we, I, need to come to. Because, you know, they realize, well, wait a minute here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. Right. Yeah, I can look out there and see all this splendor and all this wonderful stuff. Right. But I'm not in my land. Right. My God isn't in charge. Right. I'm not living as I should. And you want me to sing a praise song right, right. now? Well, and, that, and that's it. I mean, it's a perfect picture today. Like, the exile isn't fresh anymore, yeah. you know? Right. We're so far removed. We don't even, we forget that. We are captors in a foreign land, captives, captives in a foreign land, unable to return to our homeland that is occupied by our enemies. And they have a temple to their God on our temple mount. You know, that should boil the blood of every God-fearing person in the world. But it doesn't. And so it sits there, and we sit here and have barbecues. But, but, the, but there's good news because there are a certain amount. God has his remnant in every generation that do, if they confess, they'll humble themselves, circumcise their hearts, accept the punishment, and he will recover, remember the covenant in the land. That's, we can't, God does that somehow in his own time and perfection. And so we, uh, you know, we who God has somehow in his mercy changed our hearts and our lives, you know, we have to start being the point of the spear. And accept the consequences that are come with, come with that living in the exile, but there's blessing in that, you know. So anyway, all right, wrap it up. Heavenly Father God, thank you for this day and this Shabbat and this time to be together. And though we were are small, I just thank you for your blessings and that we are able to have your word and to that it is preserved and we can apply it to our lives and we can reap the blessings of it. And I pray that you would just uh, keep us humble, help us to turn back to you accept the punishment, um, analyze our lives, conduct ourselves as we should, be a light, and uh, get us out of the exile soon. I mean, I don't know, God. I don't want it anymore, anymore, punishment and exile. But it's all in your timing, and we just put that in your hands. But I ask that you would remember your covenant covenant and act. And uh, we just bless you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. How do you find that balance between the exile and 